Hello, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed at bringing you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Well, you don't really do a lot of technology stuff, so <laughs> I feel like anything technology, mean? you just refer to it being a spaceship, <laughs> whether it's an updated car or I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's, a car that has cruise control? Exactly. You're you've like, never this is had a that before? spaceship. It does seem futuristic. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hello this again is, uh, for the second time now, at least for me. Yeah. yeah. Christian and Rive, we've gotten a lot of, I think, good feedback so far. Yeah. Like, yeah. It seems like everyone enjoyed that last episode. And if episode. there's any bad feedback... Fuck off. True, fuck off. But also, but also thank you for not telling me and ruining or the vibes. We <laughs> do, we do appreciate, you know, um, constructive Constructive, criticism. right. Don't there be an go. ass. Yeah. Don't be an ass. Yeah. Well, welcome. This is uh, episode seven now, I believe, mm-hmm. of the True Crime Banter podcast. And <laughs> we just... If you guys just heard a door slam... Uh, well, one, you can see this on YouTube. We are recording it. If it looks like shit or if it's not actually video on YouTube like the last episode, yeah. it's because it looks like shit. Yeah. Um, we're, we're figuring this out. <laughs> we're working I've got on shit it. like duct tape all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah. I um, said that in the last one. It's a work in progress. Yes. Uh, we are switching roles on this one. Yeah. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. We're how are good. you feeling about it? I'm feeling okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of a storyteller all the time anyway. It honestly, you already know this. Not everybody knows this, but it could be the smallest thing, and I will turn it into an hour-long thing. To Riley, at least. True. To Riley, because I know he'll sit there and I, listen with grace. I think with, we usually spend probably uh, um, 10 to 15 minutes a day of you telling me everything you possibly could that happened throughout the day. Yes. Most of it. I enjoy. Which doesn't seem like that long, but when Other you're constantly talking and don't take a breath, it's a lot of information <laughs> yeah. being thrown at you. Yeah, I was like, I did not need to know that yeah. uh, uh, the old man was wondering why he was peeing constantly at night, but <laughs> and the lady at Super Supplements could not help him. That's a story for another time. Yeah. We're going to get into some bit of banter, which we didn't do in the last episode because I think we got frazzled. I got frazzled a little bit. Yeah. Like I a... think I was just stoked to get into it. True. I you totally were just like, skipped over the whole, like, what is it? A third of our title that we just skipped out on the whole banter part. We just went <laughs> yes, to the true yes. part. We did, yes. We did two thirds <laughs> of a show last time. So we're going to do a yes. full show this time. Yep. And uh, for today's bit of banter, I'm going to take the lead. And I'm going to pose not a question, but I'm I was thinking about this the other day and it was actually how should I say as as a cat jumps on the the desk and the cat is now off the desk. Um, Okay, so I was thinking the other day, you know how they say like every seven years your taste buds change. Okay. And 
obviously that is something that you and I are are kind of active in. We we're not afraid to like try new things. Yeah. And tomatoes are still not a thing either of us <laughs> like. But I was wondering not because for lack of trying though, I do try pretty frequently. Very true. Cherry yeah. tomatoes was the last thing I, I tried of those. I just can't. The worst. Sorry guys. Yeah. More for you. For all, all you yeah. tomato lovers. Yep. Um, <laughs> so. I was thinking about how if your taste buds change, you're, you you obviously taste things differently. Yeah. Now, what about nostalgia? Mm-hmm. Because I know that when there's certain smells or certain things that I, I, I guess, eat or taste, um, it kind of brings me back to, like, childhood or teenage years. You know, it right. always just flashback what nostalgia is. Is it possible that because your taste buds change so often and possibly your smell, I mean, if you, what if you got COVID and you, you can't smell or, or smell changes to you? Yeah. Um, are there memories that you're just never going to remember again yeah. that are just lost? Because they are linked to smell and, exactly. yeah, and, smell and, and or, taste. Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, I know like Elon Musk is out there saying that, oh, with Neuralink, you're eventually going to be able to recall like everything or okay, know everything. I have everything. no idea what any of that is, but I believe you because you're all up to date on that nerd it's stuff. Like, so. It's like spaceship stuff, so okay. you might not yeah, be you're interested. Right. Yeah. Uh, but is it possible that you just have memories that are only – accessible because of your brain's ability to connect it or like you said link it to right. a taste or a smell and then if you if you lose your ability to taste that exact same taste might you never unlock that memory again i'm gonna go with yes i don't know if it was yes, my turn we lost them forever yeah i think so because okay. there's all right i'm not gonna say a bunch but there's been at least a few times in the past five to ten years that something has happened i the one i remember most recently was actually a really long time ago that I was at this little smoothie stand kind of nearby. Well, it was a coffee stand, but I ordered a smoothie and the taste was like I was, it felt like I was like five years old. It's really weird. And I, I had to pull the car over (laughs) because I was so distracted that I was like, what the hell is this? I, and still even you were just I like i'm back in a five-year-old it body so weird. i shouldn't be driving so <laughs> weird and i'm just thinking like the who i spent the most time with when i was that age was my grandma okay and so i'm i really i mean there was nobody there around to taste the smoothie to like be like oh yeah it's <laughs> oh, from I this remember. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. This time. so it, that wasn't one of those weird things where i could ask somebody or yeah so i just remember it was from when i was really young okay and i'm i lived across the water at some point whatever and i'm not gonna get too much into it but Hoity there was it was not luxurious at all <laughs> but i i can only think that maybe it was something that you know you give to kids when they're younger whether it's like a puree or something right i know right. i don't know how to really describe it but something you just give kids i don't know okay. what the heck yogurt maybe something like that but the taste was so specific well we that were... there's no way in the world that would have come to me unless i tasted it okay so if I didn't have my taste at the time, if COVID was a thing way back then, I am 99.9% sure I would have never even known what that was what? or had that recall ever if right. it wasn't for that. So what was it the other day where we were like, this tastes like those old uh, like rocket pop Oh, what was that? You're right. This is terrible if neither of us I know. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? 
that? Oh, it was um a drink that we had at the restaurant before we went to go oh, see Jackass. Oh, that's it. Oh, which was, was amazing. It? it it was it was the Dragon Meal, which is something yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to. Uh, you're Definitely. probably going to see it in one of the next yes. podcasts because yes. we talked about drinking it on the show. Yes. But, yes. Speaking of drinking on the show, we will be doing that here shortly. I've um, been she's doing that. been so. doing it. Yeah. I will be, I got if a you guys can see here, for the on, both of us. on camera. <laughs> Sorry to all you audio listeners. Yeah, it's a little um, shot. I got a little shot, the very last of Tennessee Fire that I had left. Um, Which is what you were drinking last time. Exactly. And I'm drinking what I had last time. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> Tito's with some White Claw. Yeah. Well, this should be a, a, double a good up. show then. Yeah. You want to get to the stuff? Actually, first I got to take this yeah. shot. Yes. Um, to play cheers to up. your flamingo. Thank cup. you. And I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be chasing it with anything, but I do have some tea here. What that a man! Would be terrible to try to chase it with. Yeah. What kind of tea is that? By the way, I don't remember even. Um, it's screw really... it. I'm just gonna shout. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I like it. You're so youthful. You have your shot of whiskey, and then you go back to your old people tea, which is, by the way... Oh, hot damn. Yep. It's... What? Actually, what is it? It's Breathe Easy. It is. For anybody and with congestion issues, Breathe Easy that tea. That is myself. Like, and Minty Probiotic Tea. Bingo, bingo. So That's the second time I said that today. This... <laughs> Quite the senior citizen combo we have going on. Also, here. real quick, before we end this bit of banter, okay, I think people want to know what the case is. How do you take your shots? Because I take it in like three shots because I'm right. But do you just like swallow it as fast baby. as you can? Yeah, like plug my obviously nose. Obviously, most people are like you just like open up your throat and you just. Gulp I can't it real even quick. do that. I take it in like three because most people's shot glasses, their shots are like True. a small drink to me true yeah yeah you need a straw for a shot yeah but i this is why i like stuff like fireball or tennessee fire because i like the taste of that shit yeah and like it will like i hold it in my mouth i know people say it's it. for like what do they call it like uh the fruits of sorority your sorority girls <laughs> it's like sorority girl drink it's like excuse for chicks me. like <laughs> anyway excuse me anyway anyways okay. uh before we get into the story let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors <laughs> we're not doing sponsors okay all right no sponsors but i'm gonna let our cat out because he okay. needs to get out of this okay, damn don't. room okay. all right let's uh let's go ahead thank you to our sponsor abu let's get into anyway into the the story so this was the case that last time when we talked about our last one I chose that one too. And if you haven't already listened to that one, the Missing Panama Hikers, our last episode, feel free to go listen to that one after this one. But I also chose that one because um, that one had some mystery, some creepiness to it, all the good stuff. Um, and it was somewhat modern enough that it was kind of relatable in a sense. There was... Correct. Yeah. yeah. Something that I think yeah. you and I could very much uh, put ourselves in the shoes yeah. Of what happened. Right. And they girls. had similar enough technology and there's all kinds of stuff yeah. that plays into it. But then like, I, like you said, yeah. Go listen to it. Right. It's definitely very yeah. relatable. And if you're somebody that likes concise answers in the conclusion, <laughs> maybe not it. the best, but it's still a good background story, which we talk about too. I mean, it's yeah. still something that has a good story. But when I, in the last one, I had said that I wanted to choose the next episode as well. And this is one 
I think you said you were, we were gonna rock paper scissors, and I said we'll talk about it, and then you said okay, I'll do it. Yeah, and that's what that's what I mean is okay, I said yeah, I was yeah. gonna do it. That's what that meant. In case you didn't know, right. four years later into this, that's what that means. Rock sorry, paper what? scissors just means I'll do it. Uh, anyway, so this is one that I've been in love with. How do you say that? How do you? This is, <laughs> yeah, this is a very. I mean, like we said on the last one, like I said, if you haven't listened to it, but I do mention, and Riley mentions too, that um, I do like the more messed up ones. Yeah. And if you are somebody that also likes those, then you're going to love that. If you don't like the gross stuff, well, too bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is one that I uh, I was thinking about it as we were getting ready to record this mm-hmm. um, leading up to it, and there is something about it. I don't know... Maybe we'll we'll talk about it more as we get into it, but I couldn't figure out why this is one that um, is so attracting to, I guess, normal people. Yeah. But there is something about this story that just makes you love it, like yeah. weirdly. Right. Not like love it, and obviously, you know, yeah. respect to the people that exactly. were hurt, but yeah. it... it makes people fascinated yeah. for a reason i mean multiple reasons one how how he was even caught and then the two the c- crimes that he committed yeah. you know and how he was as a person like there's yeah. so many aspects that uh no matter what your preference of tr- true crime is yeah. or what draws you to true true crime i feel yeah. like this story has it all for someone yeah which like, i'm gonna be honest before i even was doing research on this one i only knew so much what now feels as surface level and you know watching documentaries and shows and articles and watching interviews and all that good stuff that comes along with doing something like this um i i feel like i only knew the details of the crime which is what most people will hold on to yeah um and not so much the person that did it i mean you may know the name Mm -hmm. but you don't really go too much into his background and his personality and some weird quirks they may have when i was telling you about this one um and when i wanted to do this one this might have been like a day or two ago um i decided that starting at the end i think would be better absolutely yeah Yeah. not only because of how it comes to an end but i just think for storytelling purposes it makes more sense so i don't know maybe i'll just save the name for later but i guess this story starts on february 8th 1983 um, this apartment complex was having drain issues and people were having issues with their pipes for days and couldn't do their laundry, couldn't do dishes, um, all the normal things that you expect to be able to do when you're paying rent right. at a place. Yeah. yeah. So people were getting upset and finally wrote a letter to the super and wanted something done about it. So... A drain specialist was called out to Cranley Gardens in Muswell Hill, located in London. And the man that showed up was Michael Catron. I'm pretty sure in the okay. stuff that I've heard, it's Catron. I thought it was Catran, but either way. Um, and he worked for a company called Dino Rod, um, which, like I said, was a drain like specialist a company. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's like the equivalent here of that? What's, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, like Roto Rooters or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's, I know there's a yeah. name. At least in the Northwest. I yeah, don't know yeah. if they're like a nationwide right. or yeah. countrywide thing. But. So he showed up and thinking it was probably like a normal blockage, he kind of started his quote unquote investigation and was able to track it down to this one 
kind of house, I guess, and this was something I was telling you too, was when I've heard all of the stories about this case in the past, there is a sewer issue, and I've always wondered how they were able to track the issue to a certain tenant or a floor or whatever and then once i was able to like visualize it based off of like these documentaries Mm -hmm. and stuff i was able to see that their version of apartments at least in the uk at this time in the 80s you'll find out in the 70s too 70s and 80s um it's almost like a tall cottage so there's like three floors at least on this one there was three floors so there was only one of three people that this issue was coming from so Michael Katrin got to work and um, he opened the sewer tank on the side of the house that the blockage was coming from and he found the source of the blockage and when he opened it up he found quote lumps of flesh the size of my fist in strips of flesh that looked as though they had been cut from an arm Casual. end quote right so Doing some like kind of common sense deducing, right? He first deduction, deducing. Yeah. I think it's deducing. No, you're right. I you're think right. so. I mean, yeah. you're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> he thought maybe this is an animal. I mean, you right. kind of okay. okay. And something else that came to me doing this was it reminds me of when people find a body. You hear this all the time. Oh, I thought it I was a exactly. mannequin. Yep, I knew exactly. Your brain tries to rationalize it. You always say it's never a mannequin. And I've said this before, and if this ever happens, if I ever have my own podcast, it will be titled, It's Never a Fucking Mannequin, (laughs) because it never is. There's so many stories. Right, that people say it's a mannequin. (sighs) I don't, I would love to hear of a story where it actually is, and and then maybe I'll shut up. But anyway, until then. So I think in this case, it's kind of the same thing, where he was trying to figure out what in the world this could be. Because there's no way your brain could go to, it's human. Right. Or a mannequin. Or a mannequin (laughs) in a drain. Yes. Somebody just shoved pieces of the mannequin in there. But he said that he thought maybe it was an animal. I don't know how in the world an animal, pieces of an animal would end up in this sewer tank on the side of the house. Things happen. They do. But then he also was like, well, there's no hair or fur with the animal. So unless it's like... A bunch of naked mole rats. He was like, "This is not, this it's is not an animal." Human flesh. Well, then he thought, which I think is weird too. He, it, this is in a quote that he thought it may be raw chicken. Somebody had flushed raw chicken, but then he decided it couldn't okay. be because there was so much of it. So I okay. don't know if I would go to raw chicken either. But then at the end of this, he comes to the conclusion: yeah, raw chicken to to clog the sewage. Yeah. Would be a lot. Yeah. I don't know how he came to that. I'm yeah. not sure. We'll never know. But <laughs> yeah. But then he came to the conclusion it's gotta be human, which Well, I guess I guess I realistically, even as if I put myself in the shoes of a plumber, I would last thing I would think is, Oh, this is human flesh. No, here. that's you me know? too. So that was like, the thing what? that I was thinking of yeah. is I don't know if I could come to that conclusion. Yeah, I wouldn't would even you... I wouldn't even get as far as chicken. I would just be like, "This right. is weird." Now, I'm calling the cops. If, if I one of the things I do remember is that this, um, he said it was like one of the worst smells he'd ever seen. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess that would be. But the also, only he works thing. in plumbing exactly. slash sewage. So you would so think, though, I mean, that that would hold more weight. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So right. if he's saying this is the worst he's ever smelled. 
it's probably not your typical sewage yeah, that's issue. what i thought so too that is like the only thing i could think could point to possibly like human yeah remains yeah that's true and another thing i was thinking is when when people what i've heard is that when people smell rotting decaying flesh mm-hmm. decomposing you don't have to ever smell it before to know what it is that's because what i've heard yeah so maybe he may have odor. never come across it but he's like this is not something i've ever smelled before yeah i could see then that. on top of that weird chunks of flesh floating around that don't look normal yeah so you run into a terrible smell yeah. and chunks of flesh right like, exactly <laughs> so he was like this is weird so, <laughs> this is not a normal tuesday so um so he decided this is a bigger job and he's like i need to bring somebody out with me tomorrow this is not something i can handle today so on his way out um he there was a couple tenants from the same building that were standing outside and were wondering what was going on curious bystanders as there always usually is right and they were like hey what's going on and um i think one of their names was john alec okay. it's not my name i mean especially sure. especially when you're dealing with plumbing issues like yeah. your people the people being affected by like right. your dishwasher not working properly right. or something so you're kind of yeah especially it's been a few days chit-chat. and they're probably like what in the world is yeah. it yeah yeah okay they're probably all dads standing out there it's always dads are like oh How about the i could have fixed it myself <laughs> <laughs> my tool belt oh. anyway it's like honey just leave him alone <laughs> anyway so one of the tenants i'm pretty sure like i said was john alex standing outside the other one was david nielsen or dennis nielsen oh, okay. i'm sorry he was right. standing out and they were standing there and uh this was a quote that you actually brought up brought up you didn't realize because i said i remember something like this where and you were like oh okay sure i don't even remember i thought he was talking about the raw meat in the tank okay. chicken yeah, I could, that makes sense but dennis nielsen when the michael katrin had said like yeah it looks like there's some weird flesh in there and uh dennis nielsen had said yeah it looks like somebody's been flushing their kentucky fried chicken down the drain i love it which is a great visual great visual yeah. So anyway, so with that note, he headed out. Like I said, he called in a supervisor. He said, you need to come out with me tomorrow. This is just weird looking. I'm not quite sure what I'm even looking at. So the next morning he shows up um, with a coworker of his. And to his surprise, there is nothing left in the drain, which only caused more suspicion. More questions. There's nowhere for it to go. So, yeah, they didn't know that somebody in the middle of the night had came and cleaned it out. So Maybe they caught a competing. <laughs> in the middle of the night, it's yeah. open 24-7. They're like, you're taking way too long. <laughs> I need to get a hot shower in. So, so yeah. So they called the authorities because this was just sketchy all around, right? Like unidentified substances. And then on top of that, it's now gone, it's gone which is just freaking weird. Yeah. yeah. They called the cops. And the cop showed up and... Um, Wait, the uh, the plumbing company called the cop? Yep. Okay, all right. And if I didn't already say that, then I apologize because... Dino Rod. When I, yeah, exactly. When they, when they showed up and there's nothing in there, they were like, we need to get the cops out here. This is weird. So the authorities showed up and um, whoever had cleaned it out did not do the best job. They did a decent enough job that the Dino Rod employees were kind of thrown off. But when they kind of looked in there, there was still some kind of scraps left over. There was a little bit okay. of little bit of this meaty substance left over Mm. and there was also bits of bone small bits of bone that were left so it didn't take too long for the i think it was a pathologist yeah pathologist to confirm that the remains were in fact human 
And then, of course, at that point, they're like, what the hell? So now this right. intense investigation and starts. One of the uh, one of the documentaries I was uh, I watched regarding this part of the story said that it was it was a piece of the flesh mm-hmm. that had hairs on it that they could tell um, were, human. were human hairs. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So this could be this entire story, you know, couldn't progress until they realized that it was actually human hairs yeah. on it. So I'm going to let you continue. But I yeah. thought that was something. And this also, take note of this. It'll take, uh, it'll come up again in a little bit. But at least I'll bring it up in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, upon finding out that this is human remains, of course, they're like, no, nah, this is super fucked up. So let's get going on this. So yeah. like I said before, the I was like, how in the world would they find out who it is? But with this specific septic tank, there was only three floors of people that this whole all this piping connected to. So it could only be these people so they found out that the bottom floor people were having issues coming from above but the second floor level was unoccupied so that only left them the top floor level who right. they found out was occupied by dennis nielsen none other than the kfc quote Ooh, that came shit. from earlier this isn't it's always someone who's in maybe plain he knows sight about the first floor <laughs> maybe, tenants. maybe, maybe he, he sees does. them ubering <laughs> KFC. KFC, QFC, KFC, <laughs> constantly. Uh-huh. Right? He's, he's fucking Maybe guys. that's it. Yeah. So, upon finding out what his name was, um, they decided to question him. But it was the it was like in the afternoon, so he wasn't home yet. So right. they decided we're not taking any chances. We're gonna wait for him outside of his house until he gets home. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they said that he works at the local job center. Um, so like a civil servant or something like that no civil servant is basically the same thing as a policeman so that's what he was later so we'll find out later that he was involved in the police force but at this point he works at a job center so i don't know if he has like some it's not really clear in a lot of the work um in the stuff online that he's maybe like works at a desk maybe helping people get jobs i don't know if he's admin i'm not sure but not really too important according to the story but Mm. so he gets home and um he's surprised to find a police officer well a detective and a couple police officers with him and he makes a joke that he's like why are the police here when did the police get interested in people's drains issues (laughs) yes yeah so he um so the main detective we find out is um detective chief inspector so dci is what they call him over there dci um peter J. So he's the main detective on this, and he'll be the one that is the main detective throughout this whole case. And he actually gets very close with Dennis during this whole thing. So he meets him there, and he asks him if he can come upstairs to his flat and talk to him a bit about the blockage um, and obviously what was found in the blockage. Right. Yeah, which they don't tell him until yeah. later. So they go, they go upstairs. Now, yeah. can, I, can I talk yeah. about, because uh, I don't know... Obviously, again, we did our own separate research. Yeah. I, I remember when they were talking about the flesh that they found and they, that they could identify that it was human remains. And I yeah. kind of brought up that they brought, um, or they, I guess, identified the hair on the flesh as human remains. Okay. So I listened to or heard that the type of hair on the flesh, whether it's your arm hair, your neck hair, or your obviously your scalp i guess yeah uh, can identify what part of the body that hair is on right so you doing okay there yes yeah, yeah she's uh in it. okay Sorry. No. i keep no, like leaning welcome back. in go ahead yeah. 
Uh, welcome to the shot. Thank you. Everybody watch on YouTube. Hi. This is Christian. Oh, hey guys. Here's Hello. my face. Thank you. <laughs> um, they were able to to uh, identify that it was neck hair on the flesh. Okay. But that's super creepy. So this was a documentary uh, that I watched Ew. that was the actual detectives talking about um, their experience in this. And yes. they said that the, the neck hair was, gave clues that it was neck hair or that it was neck flesh. And that there was ligature Showed ligature. Marks. Okay, so that yes. I remember. The, okay. Okay, so that was in the notes, but it, it was never accompanied with the hair okay. facts, which yeah. is so they really could, gross. So they used the neck hair to realize that it was neck flesh, and okay. then the ligature marks made them basically recognize that, hey, this is somebody that's been murdered. Right, yeah, this is not... Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know what other conclusion they would come to. It's With not like a suicide <laughs> in the in the tank. I don't know. Just chopping off my own leg. Yeah. No, no I'm not sure. Hours. So Okay, continue. No, no, that's okay. So yeah. So they asked him if they could come ask him some more questions. And mm-hmm. so they go up to his flat and this whole time he's super like hunky dory, like, Yeah, sure, come yeah. on up, blah blah blah. So they get up there. And immediately they're hit with the unmistakable stench of death and decomp. And, of course, Nielsen, it just is not phasing him at all. I mean, he's been probably living in this for quite some time. He's so immune to it. it. Yeah, who knows? So they get in there and they immediately are like, we're not even going to, like, the pleasantries are over. Like, this this is our guy. This is where the source is coming from, obviously. Yeah. Knock them on their ass. Yeah. So they said they let him know. I don't even think they sat down. They were just like, did you know that there was human remains found in your tank? And when he said, where is it? He goes, good grief, how awful. (laughs) (laughs) As if reading from a script, yes. Anyway, so they, um, they asked him, and like I said, he did the super fake, good grief, how awful. And uh, or genuine. I mean, we don't actually know, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it is awful. That's genuine. But so he, um, so uh, DCIJ called him out and was basically like, cut the shit. Like, and he goes, where's the rest of the body? And so many sources will just say how quickly Dennis Nielsen just caved in right away. He was like, I'm not even going to try and fake this. And so without even like skipping a beat he just said it's in my wardrobe so like like a dresser a closet dresser yeah so some sources say that they opened the wardrobe to verify some sources say that they went near the wardrobe and it stunk so bad that they didn't even need to open it to know that something was in there and obviously when they first came in there and the smell was so bad I yeah, mean that like was probably instant. their yeah. first. Yeah, sorry. I'm gonna... Yeah, that's okay. That was all probably right. their yeah. first verification. They're like that was all they needed. So they put him under arrest and they took him in. And in the cop ride over, they yeah they asked him. They were like, oh yeah, how many? And he said, wait, 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 wait. What? Cause, wait, because I this is You're like so the part. Funny. Yeah, I, this is the part that I really yeah. like because the. Okay. The detective asking this was like, "How many?" Yeah. He goes, is, "Is it one or two? Yeah. And then what does what does he say back? He says about fifteen or sixteen, 15 which or 16. I know, which we you know we find out later is kind of a rough guess, but it's pretty close to that. Yeah. But he was also asked where the rest of the body was found that they had found 
pieces of in the sewer system. So he, like I said, when he was first initially confronted with this, calmly responded. He he knew it was up. He knew there was right. he's he's done for. You got so, me. Yeah. So he he's did Scottish, the, by the way. He, oh yeah. For all you which, Scottish listeners, that we're getting into that too. So oh, yeah, it's I'm okay. Sorry. It's all good. It's all right. okay. Yeah. Right. So he said uh, same thing. He goes, "It's in my uh, dresser." there's more there's also more in my desk and under the cabinet and he kind of just started like listing where all these body pots were so yeah so when he was at the station there was cops back at his house finding the rest of the body parts that he didn't have time to dispose of yet so what what they had found in the sewer was just parts of what he hadn't finished yet so i guess before we kind of get into like all the victims and everything like that and maybe just kind of to touch on him a little bit so when dennis nielsen was arrested he was 37 years old and he's originally from scotland and he had joined the army at a pretty young age where he got really good at cooking honed his culinary skills and he eventually settled in london where this kind of all started so something that you had mentioned earlier came out during the investigation was that he was actually a police officer for a little bit of time Okay, so yeah. that's what the whole civil servant right. type thing was. It's right. like a that's what they call it over okay, there. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So another thing that gets brought up and this ties into the um, being a police officer thing is his uh-huh. sexual orientation, which normally has nothing to do with anything. But in this case, during the whole all the interrogation and his trial and everything and in his book, um, he was asked so many times if he was gay. And we also have to keep in mind this is the 70s and right, early right. 80s, and this is something that people weren't super comfortable with yeah, yet. Yeah, if, if I remember mm-hmm. it, it, like, it became legal while he was alive to Yeah, be which is so weird that it was yeah. ever illegal. It's just really weird Not to think of something like that. Not legal to be married, but legal to be... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could get charged with something if you were caught with a guy or yeah. something. It's super weird. So... Um, because a lot of his victims ended up being young men. I mean, all of them were men, yeah. but some of them, you know, they kind of ranged in ages. Um, he was asked multiple times if he was gay, and he never really verified if he was. Okay. Even though all of his victims were men, not all of them were gay. Right. So you yeah. don't really find out. I mean, I guess we'll never know what the conversations were that he had before he got them home or um some of them were though um and so they kind of were wondering if kind of like they do in cases today was he what was his target type was he targeting mm-hmm. gay men or was it just men in general like so an uh, uh, mo i guess yeah for what right. he chooses as his victims yeah so something else that comes up is or something that you should keep in mind i guess is that this is all taking place in the 70s and early 80s in London and during this time people were flocking from all over to London it was huge and there was a lot of people kind of like New York and LA where they're looking for success and they're hoping to hit it big and as we know and as we've heard so many times these cities are not always kind to people in return so um, you know you hear about people I'm gonna be an actress and then they go to LA and they end up like working at Denny's which there's nothing wrong with that either but it just doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to turn out so to each their own yeah so some people go there with 10 bucks 20 bucks some sometimes nothing and they just hope to get lucky and they end up sleeping on the street so during this time there was a huge wave of homeless people and a a huge wave of homeless men and when you have that combo the desperation 
and yeah. homelessness in that combo. They're hungry, they're tired, they have nowhere to sleep. And that's where you kind of find a victim pool. And that's kind of where Dennis Nielsen kind of thrived yeah. was people that were desperate. And not all of them you'll find out in his victims were like that, but a majority of them were. Okay. Right. Yeah. So kind of going back to his whole sexuality thing, when they found out he was a police officer at one point, I mean, this was huge. When he was caught, they were like, once the coming from the police officers who were investigating this, they were like, when the press finds out that this was a police officer, we are so screwed that we didn't mm-hmm. even know and he was working for us. So they asked him why he had left. Like, why aren't you still a cop? And he said that he left due to like homophobic slander and yeah homophobia in the police force and people found out that he might have been gay or somewhat and they just treated him terribly and that's when he left that's kind of where that comes from so then after that i think he was job hopping for a little bit and then that's where he ended up at this job center which kind of makes sense because when you i mean not so much modern day but i think even still a little bit modern day when you think of um the police force you think of these big manly men that are there to save the day yeah and you know supposed to serve and protect and if one of them even though you know even if you are a big manly man yeah you come out as gay it's going to be uh something that people unfortunately still look down upon and think you're lesser of a person so i could just imagine back in you know like you said the late 70s early 80s that yeah yeah if you're a police officer that that comes out or not really comes out but gets discovered as yeah because you know, i don't think any of it was coming out back exactly. then it was so dangerous definitely not but yeah if you if they get you get caught being with a man yeah i could just imagine uh, the ridicule ridicule i guess yeah. or even just like the shame you would be forced to feel bec- just because of that yeah. alone so right. i could i don't I can't he, blame him for not wanting to be a part of right that, you know? and he's already kind of a loner so he probably right. already feels super okay. alone so yeah so like i said there's a lot of young men kind of looking for a place to sleep food and as we talked about nielsen was in the army and was a chef and so one of the things that he kind of used was i can cook you food i can you know and also entice them right and also alcohol alcohol was another thing it was it still kind of is a lure come back to my place but in this case it was something he used all the time that was what i mean 90 percent of his victims he met at pubs and i don't i still don't know if this was on purpose or not or if pubs um bars places like that are just a place where you just find people down on their luck or maybe people are celebrating something or i mean it just kind of draws out some people are just there on a lunch break i don't know and it kind of gives you kind of like a plethora of victims you can kind of scope people out okay so kind of getting i mean i guess we can get into his victims now so there's i mean like i said there's only eight have been confirmed to this day i mean there's so many so many websites and these videos and stuff that say where Dennis is like adamant that there's only 12 people he killed and when at the beginning if you can remember he had said 15 or 16 in the cop car yes yeah so at the end and I think they've just been chasing this 15 or 16 number this whole time okay so when they only can find 12 or verify 12 counts they can only actually solidify eight of those 12 so they're like where are these three or four right from the 12 to the 15 or 16 there's those three or four they're like where in the world are those ones 
So Dennis, you'll find out later, Dennis Nielsen says that he like like fabricated them. I don't know why, because he's very truthful like about a lot story. of them. Like yeah, exactly. Story. So it seems like there's a lot more. But I was telling Riley earlier that I didn't feel, when we were talking about what to touch on, I didn't feel it was okay to kind of like use this as like this is super gross because you'll find out how gross it is later like how gross and crazy this case is and then like not talk about these people that much because there's only eight of them and i'm not going to go too much into detail because quite frankly there's not a lot of detail on these people which is super sad because some of them are really young the fact that they could identify these people at all yeah it took a lot of freaking work like this was a really long investigation and i think even to this day they're still trying to figure out who some of these people are Mm -hmm. so what I didn't tell you was before this Cranley Gardens he lived on Melrose Avenue and this was his apartment that he had before the one that he was caught at with the septic tank and the main difference is the one he was caught at was on the third story so this other one on Melrose was a ground level apartment which in the back also had a a garden Mm -hmm. that was used for everybody so it wasn't just his garden but it was still there's way more convenience i mean as you know on a ground level apartment for moving stuff or i mean it's just a lot easier granted you have people above you that can be noisy but it is a lot easier to have a ground level one so that's the main difference so a lot of these murders had taken place at this apartment so there's the first one melrose yes at melrose that's right yeah so 195 melrose avenue so he fully took advantage of the fact that this was a much more convenient (laughs) flat to be at so like i said we don't know too much about these people but we do know through the hard work of these people and the limited amount of information that he can recall because he knew so much more about what happened to them and not so much all these names yeah i mean he was the only one who had any any information yeah it was like pulling teeth i mean they were like can you give us anything and he's like oh i think he had blue eyes and it was really hard so the fact that they even found eight is amazing so on december 30th 1978 nielsen's first victim stephen holmes um accompanied him back to his flat they had once again met at a pub like i said that was like his main thing um and stephen had attempted to purchase alcohol but stephen was only 14 which blows my mind Hmm. he was a child like so young and but this is also the laws in the uk for drinking are you can be a lot younger so 14 to us is crazy but if if the age over there is 17 or 18 it's not that far off but still still and you know we hear that people in other countries tend to start drinking a little bit younger you just hear about that sometimes it's just a little bit more normalized over there so he had attempted to purchase alcohol um and Nielsen was there when he got turned down. So, once again, Nielsen saw an opportunity. So, he promised him alcohol. He's like, hey, there's alcohol back at my house. We find out later that Nielsen thought that he was, um, Stephen Holmes was probably about 17 or 18. So, whether or not that's the truth, I don't know, but he might have looked older. So maybe that's kind of what it is. I don't know if he really would have stopped him if he knew he was 14. I'm not quite sure. But um, so before we get too far into this, this is something that you're going to notice. So I don't want to have to repeat it every time. But Nielsen had this weird thing of music and alcohol. So when he would listen to music, he was really into music. When he would listen to like certain albums and 
kind of just music in general, but there was certain albums that triggered it. The combo of out being drunk and music, it was like this weird thing where he was quoted in saying like it takes him somewhere else. Hmm. And he's not who he, right. So this is another thing. When, when I talk about like he kind of had like an MO, it wasn't the same every time. It wasn't concrete. But something along with meeting people in pubs, another one, another constant was alcohol and music so he would invite people back to drink sometimes they listen to music sometimes they just listen to music it was but when the combo happened it was like this weird blackout thing where he like became like crazy and something snapped so in this case that's what happened so we invited him over to listen to music they had started drinking and they had both passed out after and um in the morning nielsen had woken up to find steven laying next to him so let me jump back really quick. Nielsen had a partner. So this kind of goes back to the whole sexual orientation thing. Okay. But partner it was, like boyfriend. Or, right. Okay. But when he was questioned later, he was he told the police officers that it was never sexual, but he was with a man. So I don't know how you guys want to label that. I'm not sure. But he was with a man for a period of time. And there's these old home videos. I'm sure you can find it if you look it up where they bought a camcorder together and there's all these like old films where they're you know out in the garden or they're in the kitchen yeah, or something your old home videos yeah and i think it's you were random. saying that you had seen some of them or something i saw a couple of them yeah, yeah. the one that uh because we talked about we talk about um how dennis nielsen is kind of like a control freak a little bit yeah or seemingly like as, as the story progresses he fe- it feels like he wants to be in control of everything yeah and it almost comes down to this split personality kind of thing where you have this meek man that all of his tenants know him as and people at work and when you see him i mean we'll put pictures up on like instagram and stuff but if you even just go google him he is a yeah. very timid looking like yeah. mousy looking man yeah. and yeah i mean he's tall-ish but he's very skinny he's got kind of wispy hair glasses he kind of looks like a mouse like he's just not threatening at all okay so like we were saying in the in the home videos that were found later um you see kind of a how do we say this like a different side of him Mm -hmm. so when the police are doing this investigation they're talking to people that he knows they're all getting this like shy timid kind of view and then they find this video of him later and it shows a different side where he's with his old partner and this will all tie in i promise but they show him an unedited version of dennis nielsen who he is exactly who he really is quote-unquote behind the scenes because this is a whole movie and it shows him being controlling and snapping at his partner and when his partner is the one filming you can see him freak out about small things about no you're not filming it the right way or yeah the, or, the why clip, are you fucking up and like just like really like yeah, yeah the clip i saw was him it was like laying down he was like yeah. why are you panning this way don't fucking pan while yeah. i'm or it, yeah, i don't know if he didn't want him to record at him at all but right yeah it was yeah absurd yeah so you kind of get this different view so we find out that this partner and forgive me for not having the name of this man but they were together for quite some time and they even got a dog together and her name is bleep and she's a collie and that'll come in later but they had adopted this dog together and then after years of abuse that this man had suffered from nielsen and verbal i 
he was never physically abusive because this man was interviewed later after all this kind of went down and he's like no he was he never laid a hand on me so it must have just been emotional mental abuse and he left and this kind of where this whole thing stems from where nielsen isn't good with people leaving he's not good with abandonment he has a fear of it and it comes out in his controlling ways just like you were saying yeah yeah it wasn't even like he he describes it you know not sexual in nature even though it seems like he's obviously um gay and yeah they probably did things sexually together but he said it was more of i think like any I think Real he's attracted to male company. I think that's kind of what exactly. it is. Exactly. That's kind of where I was getting towards. Was yeah. It was more of the company that he had with his partner. And, yeah. And his fear of um, once he lost that with his first partner. Yeah. It really. Exactly. Who else is going to leave me? Yeah. Which is what happens when he wakes up um, the night after meeting Stephen. And like I said, Stephen's 14 years old, which once again, he doesn't find out till later. I know. And I'm not taking that away from anything. That's not, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. I'm not like, well, Nielsen didn't know. I mean, he yeah. obviously, some bad right. stuff happened. So they say that when this first victim happened, which, I mean, it's really hard to believe that there was nobody else before this, you know, that it just happened one day. But this is the first one they can at least verify that happened. So when he woke up and he was laying there, they say that he was so scared he was going to leave him he didn't want him to go so his in his warped up mind he decided he needed to stay and the only way he would stay is if he killed him so he strangled him and something you'll also hear so many times over and over again is that his method of strangulation was a necktie Mm -hmm. and which he had so many neckties confiscated after this just to kind of see what dna was on stuff and if they could tie it to anything but um so another thing he did a combo that he did like kind of like music and alcohol another combo that he did was strangulation and drowning so he would strangle somebody and then whether he got tired or he found out that maybe in like he finished strangling them and then they're like oh my god he's not actually dead he would then drown them so he had like a bucket of water or he would do it in another one was in the kitchen sink or in the bathtub so i I don't want to say that um, it's not messy, but that's, like, another... Like, it's not stabbing. It's not messy. Okay, yeah. You know? So, I don't know, psychology-wise, what that means. Because some people kind of argue a hands-off thing, right? Like, if somebody kills somebody with a gun, it's hands-off. Hands-on is more intimate. But you you find out that he does some gross stuff later, but... Like, he doesn't kill anybody, like, a fine... Like, to me, a knife is, like, final. Yeah, and that is one of the things where, um, when you talk about... There's certain cases I'm sure we'll discuss in the future, but um, you can tell when something's, like, a revenge murder because yeah. of how violent it is Yeah. versus... And, and usually they'll say, you know, if there is, like, 27 stab wounds in somebody, it's somebody that probably knows that person, and yeah. there's a reason that yeah. they Or... There's a lot of obviously psychology I know, there's that so goes into it, but um, almost like you're saying, like a hands-off approach, where when he's killing this guy, and I never actually thought about this before this, but when he's killing this guy, it's not him killing him for something he doesn't like about Stephen right. or doesn't um, almost the opposite. He yeah, likes him so much. Yeah, he wants, he him, to wants stay. him to stay so much, and mm-hmm. so that his reasoning is like it's it's not 
so violent that it's like, I got to get rid of this guy. I hate him. It's yeah. more like, I want you here forever. Yeah. And I don't leave me. And right, so. Right, which makes sense. The whole killing for company thing. Yeah. 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 So, um, something that I think psychologists and psychiatrists, this whole thing, kind of going back to the method of killing is also what you do after the killing. So sometimes they can be kind of related, sometimes not. But in this case, it's argued whether or not Dennis Nielsen was really into necrophilia because Mm -hmm. he never, as honest as he was about so much stuff in his confessions and in his interviews, interrogations, all that stuff, was he, he said he never did anything there was no i think the word i was gonna say the word yeah. he uses is penetration yeah never, which i don't want to get never too penetrated graf- to the lab. okay okay so i don't want to get too graphic because yeah. especially in this case this is a child like i don't want to yes. get too graphic yeah, but yeah. a lot of these other guys are are grown-ups and he did say he's like i've never i never done anything but he was quoted so much saying that he found the male body beautiful and there was something about a deceased male body that really aroused him and he really found like artwork like beautiful mm-hmm. and i don't will never be able to understand this thank you god but that's why he kept these for so long so he kept steven for i mean a little bit of time after he killed yeah him. after he killed them because okay. i mean he found him beautiful so it wasn't like, oh my God, he's dead and this is disgusting. I it's get almost, rid of him. it's almost like the appeal went up after. So not only did he have this person that he could hang out with, that he dead knew or wasn't alive, leave him. yeah, okay. dead or alive, it now was more physically appealing to him too. So I mean, as, it can only last so long as we know because decomp and yeah, everything. Exactly. But I don't really know if he really thought that through when this first happened. It didn't sound like he really had a game plan going yeah. into this, but. Um, so he actually ended up keeping Steven's body for eight months. Jeez. Yeah. So you can imagine how much Where, decomp happens. Yeah. How, man, I think we'll probably learn and be, be more familiar as we, we uh, cover more cases about the phases of decomposition. Yeah. And how actually disgusting an eight-month body could be. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, obviously, when someone's dead from the beginning, I'm thinking that's disgusting. Yeah. But I I just, it makes me, I wonder kind of, you know, what kind of state was his body in where he was like, okay, I should probably get rid of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was just trying to probably hold on as long as he could. And something about this garden flat apartment um, at Melrose was that it had more storage. So it had um, a lot of storage under the bathtub. it, which if you can kind of imagine, there's like these little cupboards mm-hmm. in the bathtub kind of sits on top of it. I don't know if you can really imagine that. But then okay. also there's, um, I don't know if this is like a UK thing or if there is anything here. I haven't seen anything here in the US where there's floorboard storage. I don't know where, yeah, you can kind of open it up and there's like a places to put stuff. I've never seen that at least. But then... <laughs> Also keep in mind that this is the apartment that had the garden out back. So he yeah. kind of had more opportunity. I don't know if he set out with this on purpose, but um, after spending some time with Steven's naked dead body, um, most of his victims ended up sticking around for at least a couple days outside of storage. And then they would kind of start to stiffen 
as they would within hours, yeah. I believe, rigor mortis. And then they would put them in, or he would put them under the floorboards, where, as you can imagine, things started to smell. I mean, he did take some kind of precautions as far as like plastic bags things like that he was known to put deodorants i don't know what that means but it's a deodorants in the notes so i'm not sure what their version of that over there is is. yeah Yeah, i don't know if it's some kind of powder or something something. right yeah i'm not sure but he was known to like put them down with the bodies and wrap them up and um probably yeah probably something like incense yeah so i'm just to cover it up exactly he's not gonna be doing it the job yeah because it's a dead body yeah exactly yeah so in between some of these victims he had some almost victims so some attempted murders that well i think he was only ever charged for one attempted murder but um there was some that they couldn't charge because a lot of these victims didn't press charges whether they were embarrassed because they were gay Mm -hmm. and they were talking about it or whether or not the police didn't believe them there was multiple reasons why people came forward or didn't come forward and either were not believed or were too scared because they weren't going to be believed but he had another one um a after stephen holmes he was a young student visiting from hong kong named andrew ho and once again had met at a pub and at least according to nielsen had told ho that they would go back to his place to have sex so it ended up escalating and he tried to strangle him and of course i don't I'm not quite sure. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I don't know if language had a part in this because he was from Hong Kong. I'm not sure, but it said that he decided not to press charges. Could be embarrassment. Could be he didn't know how to communicate. I'm not sure. So after that, his second actual victim um, was a few months after this. So I'm sure after probably almost getting caught and having the police, he was like probably took a little bit of a break. Exactly. Shouldn't be doing this. Well, so quite away. exactly right away. so nielsen met 23 year old kenneth ockenden which this ended up being the biggest victim out of like the most sensationalized because he came from like a prominent family and this was not mm. a usual suspect this wasn't he wasn't gay he had a girlfriend and he wasn't homeless he was traveling he had his family came from money and they weren't actually mm. able to like link him for sure for quite some time so the main detective, DCI Peter J, was actually got in trouble for even bringing this up as a potential suspect. When he went and visited Nielsen in prison, Nielsen had was like, yeah, I think I killed that Kenneth Ockenden kid. And so far he hadn't lied. So uh, the DCI Peter J was like, you know what? I think he killed this Kenneth Ockenden kid. There was so much publicity around this kid being missing. Wow. So they were like, so his main... Um, I don't know if you'd call it the main chief of the police department was like, why are you even bringing this kid up? Like, this kid doesn't match the the victim profile. Like, we don't even know. Why would you even say that? So he actually took a lot of time trying to connect him to it because gotcha. he just had a feeling okay. that Nielsen was telling the truth about this one kid. So Kenneth was actually, like I said, 23. He was traveling from Canada, and he was visiting relatives that he had in England. And... When they met at a pub, of course, um, Nielsen had offered to show Kenneth around and do the usual like touristy things and Kenneth accepted um, a lot of sorts of things like super nice and friendly so um, he probably just believed this guy was really nice and so they kind of did all the touristy things that day and then on the way back Nielsen was like, hey, do you want to go drink at my place? Which we all know where this is going. So when they went to the local like 
alcohol store or whatever. Um, Kenneth insisted on paying for it. Like I said, he came from money. So I'm sure Nelson was like, heck yeah. So then, you know, they bought a bunch of alcohol, went back to his place. And once again, this is another example of mixing alcohol and music. And this is another one where he had said, yeah, you can come with some music. I have some great records. And when Kenneth had the headphones on, a lot like these, mm, he yeah. would sit there in the chair and Nielsen came up behind him and strangled him with the headphone cord. Okay, so that's he. I remember that the this one? victim. Yeah. That he used the the headphone cord. So this to happened a few it. times, but this was the first one. Okay. So he probably All was right. like, "Oh, this works." Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Right. Exactly. So. They're distracted and. Yes, they can't hear convenient. anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, he after he had ended up strangling Kenneth. Um, he kept the body, of course, like he usually does. And the next day, he actually went and purchased a camera where he took a bunch of pictures of Kenneth's naked body. So like I said before, he found the male body, especially deceased, extremely beautiful. So that's when he was like, you need to take all these pictures. And after he had enough of that and Kenneth's body was eventually obviously starting to show signs of decomp, he had to get rid of him. So that's when he, of course, put him under the floorboards like the others. So something else that was brought up in this specific case was that he would take Kenneth's body, which you'll find he'll do this with a few victims. He'll take his body out from the floorboard. So it wasn't like a one and done thing, especially if what was said that if certain bodies were taking longer to decompose... And they were still kind of showing signs of looking like a person, like not falling okay. apart quite yeah, yet. Yeah. He would take them out multiple times and pose them, whether it was on his bed, take pictures, or most of the time, and this is going to sound super creepy, but it's also very sad, is he would put them in chairs or on the couch and talk to them. And like what Have the- Have conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. like the book title, Killing for Company, he had this weird fear of abandonment. He was a loner. He wanted these people to stay with him. And something he had said was when these bodies were in the chair, obviously dead, he would think, man, if they were alive right now, I wonder what we'd be talking about. It's just so, yeah, so weird to be looking at a dead person. I mean, I can't imagine that they're not showing some signs of decomp, but they're enough together that he's like, well, they still kind of look like a person. And you're thinking like, well, I wonder what we'd be talking about right now if they weren't dead. So he did this multiple times until like they a, actually started to fall apart. Yeah, that is a, a question that somebody like, hey, if you could have dinner with any dead person right now, like who would <laughs> right. it be? Like yeah. George Washington, or yeah. Abraham Lincoln, right, or somebody like that. Yeah. LeBron James, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, or Elvis. And he's whatever. like, yeah, and he's got, well, you think Elvis is dead? Oh my God, anyway. Do we need it? Yeah. Okay. Tupac? Anyway. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> this guy is like, man, I wonder dead. if I, yeah, I wonder if I, I don't know what we would we would talk about if he was here and and he's but he is he, there <laughs> but yeah. he's dead yeah that is isn't it crazy ugh, i know gives me like yeah i don't know super weird Goosebumps. yeah like i said messed up but also weirdly sad not like in a, i feel bad for you kind of way but like wow that's really that's how far you had to take it to feel like you weren't alone yeah and i mean that gives us yeah. a glimpse into like yeah how fucked up he right. was and not just for what he was doing but yeah. like it doesn't bother him, I guess. Yeah. He's more like, I wonder what would be... Exactly. Because like that, that's what is he, and maybe he's that doing And maybe that ties back for, to the grandpa, you know? right? After you've seen, like, your first deceased person, yeah. 
You know, maybe you kind of lose that attachment if it's not explained to you properly. You're like, well, dead people don't yeah, really. There's so not really an attachment. With it right away. Yeah, that, yeah. Huh. So his third victim, and I'm not going to spend too long on, on all of them, but I do want to give like enough credit to these people. But um, his third victim, um, he met on May 17th, 1980. His name was Martin Duffy, and he was only 16 years old. And he was a catering student hitchhiking from London, and his parents didn't know that he had left. Um, he had been caught evading the train fare and was kicked off in London, so he was forced to sleep on the streets for like three or four nights. And that's when he came across Dennis Nielsen, and where he was offered food, place to sleep, and we've talked about this as very specific victim type. Um, and that night after he had fallen asleep, uh, Dennis had fashioned... Um, not a noose, but ligature. But he had it was from like a piece of like fabric from like the couch or something, okay. almost like Velcro, like, like a piece of Velcro or something, right? He just had made it, so it wasn't a necktie this time or a headphone cord. And and do they know if that was because he like didn't have it or something? Didn't or, have. A I'm not sure. Or Maybe he was trying out a new thing. I yeah, don't I was know. Say, yeah, something that like if he might ever work got better. Caught, couldn't. Or, or yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so once he was. Uh, strangled um, he this is the combo I was talking about where he thought he might have been dead and he wasn't dead still a bit a yes. little bit of life left and this is when he drowned him in the kitchen sink and afterwards when he knew for sure he was dead he had bathed with the body and kept the body out for a few days just like Kenneth Ockenden and did the usual propping him up talking to him um, and then he did things with the body like I said, necrophilia, it's a very, like, specific, like, you actually have intercourse, right? Like, with the right. body. Like, yeah, this yeah. is, he just said that he did things with it. So, whether he touched it, touched himself, whatever it is, I don't gotcha. want to get too too much into that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, like, it... he was very specific that he didn't do things to the body like that. Yeah, do you, if you get aroused by a dead body. Yeah. And sexually are attracted to dead bodies, but you never yeah. do anything to the body. I mean, I, I don't know where I that line is on it. Yeah, There's me too. No, right. But, I don't know what like a psychiatrist. I'm yeah. not sure. But this was only reason I'm bringing it up is because that specific part was brought up so much because the psychiatrist that went over him in trial and they really vetted him on this because that is something to bring up for sure because that's right. a whole other charge well, to bring against someone. As you mentioned a couple times, the, the killing for comfort. Is that what you? Yeah. Oh, killing for comfort. Uh, company. for company yeah. okay killing for company that yeah. that's the book that this author author right brian masters yeah so brian masters he mm -hmm. was in like constant contact with yeah he visited Dennis him Nielsen. for years even after the book was published and he was yeah he visited him for like 10 years after right. he was he sentenced so in jail. kind of going back to what we talked about from the beginning where um dennis nielsen when you watch his old home videos he has a control um freak type yeah. attitude if he doesn't want people thinking that he is uh you know what he said penetrating these yeah, bodies or doing that. things physically with these bodies just being aroused by them yeah that is that's probably one of the things that uh is going to be a constant uh or a point of emphasis they yeah. don't want he doesn't want people to think that he's having sex with dead bodies because yeah. he doesn't think he is yeah and i'm sure you know people would love to sensationalize 
hey, this guy has sex right. with dead bodies. And so. And not only that, but it's a combo of male on male. And like I said, back then, that yeah. was huge. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to even do it. Not anything. So then on top of that, the whole that necrophilia thing. Too. Yeah, I yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. So after the body was showing signs of decomp and just beyond the point that he could even do anything with it or to it, he was like, okay, you're under the floorboards, just like the rest. So. After Duffy, Nielsen kicked up his frequency and killed another five victims before the end of 1980. So he was trying to get his fix, and he attempted to murder another one. 26-year-old William Sutherland was the only other one identified out of these men during this time. So this is where the whole unidentified, there's a huge chunk. So there's like four or five of these that they don't know that came from just a specific time so he doesn't even remember i don't know whether he blacked out during this time and he was just killing a bunch of people who knows what he was going through at the time i don't know okay yeah i know um because there seems to be a pattern and frequency with the the omelet boy listed under uh, yeah so that one um is down here yeah somewhere yeah so that'll that kind of gives a clue so he didn't really get to know these people right for who they are because that was in one of the, the shows too of that they showed was that they were like how did you not know any of their names uh-huh. not one point did you and they're like well we didn't really talk we talked yeah. about music and other things yeah a lot and, of it was yeah the way they identified him or yeah. these victims were like nicknames yeah. or, or he would try to again he's the yeah, only like, one that knows yeah like the blue answers. eyes or from from a certain area yeah. so they have to use yeah. whatever information he can remember yeah. and choose to give them yeah they which have was to super frustrating for police obviously because they're trying to put names I to these people but it makes imagine. sense because i mean i've gone out before with my sister and stuff whatever and we're talking to people at the bar and super nice chicks or whatever like yeah we did this and i'm from here da, da. and then i leave and i'm like don't i don't even name. know what their name is yep. like i think they said it once i don't even You're know like i told her Grand- i would follow her on instagram <laughs> granted but a true crime banter granted bingo. granted hold on in this case i think they're expecting a little bit more because he killed them yeah i mean that's a huge yeah, thing yeah you would think that to there's us. a reason yeah exactly to us how could you not remember the name of somebody you killed but to him it's like eh, it's just another thursday you know so like why yeah, would i remember would, that it? was something i thought about too was man how do you not know who you killed or have have not the the most vivid memory of what was happening yeah and, and he did have a lot of memories of of the actual things he did to the people but yeah. at the same time you're talking over a dozen people yeah so potentially for us yeah, yeah. for us we're thinking man if i ever kill somebody i know i would probably never forget every yeah. detail about it right but he's like but we are not Nielsen. yeah so, exactly one of those guys i yeah. can't remember so as you can imagine having this many people and body parts under your floorboards eventually you have to do something about it i mean obviously the smell doesn't bother him because we found that out later that he was just living in this decomp smell but at some point somebody's gonna smell it so in late 1980, Nielsen decided he needed to get rid of them and wear better than the garden that he has right outside back. And he decided he's going to do this big fire to get rid of everything. And in order to mask the smell, he used like rubbish, garbage, old tires. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember rubber tires. Mm-hmm. Things that obviously smell terrible when you yeah. burn them. But something else that is repeated so many times is when he did this, not all of his victims were dismembered when they were killed. They were just put under the floorboards. So by the time that he dragged them up, there was maggots and flies and insects 
collecting in these bodies and you can only imagine in order to face that you probably can't be sober which is exactly what he did he would get blinding drunk anytime he did this so every I don't know maybe year every I mean we found out he kept already for eight months so at least every eight months sometimes he would do it sooner he would get insanely drunk and that's how he was able to face what he did it's almost shocking that for how drunk he would have to get to do this that he didn't like mess up right or cut himself doing it or something yeah yeah i mean he's i mean yeah he's a vet i mean he's been doing it yeah so he would dismember the bodies and then that's when he would put them outside in the back speaking of being a vet and dismembering bodies that was like when you think about him being in the army as uh like a chef or working in the kitchen that's where he had learned how to i guess properly uh, dismember yeah animals right you know and so those are skills that he then decided yeah. you know what i mean this is assuming he's not like going to like le cordon bleu over here <laughs> like he's not like going That's to a, like it's a type of ranch no it's like a school i'm pretty sure if <laughs> it's not we're editing cheese. that out but i'm pretty sure i used to see that online that sounds... or on the tv okay i think you're i know what you're talking okay, about. okay okay older like yeah, a, yeah i know I okay know okay thing. yeah super okay. old like on like when i'd stay home and watch yeah. like the maury show or whatever yeah anyway so i mean that's also assuming that they like taught him how to like cut a pig apart not just like put parsley yes yeah, exactly. like not like fancy right. yeah 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 so anyway he would like i said get blinding drunk put them in this giant tab out back put tire any other garbage that's out there too tires all that kind of stuff and part of his disposal process was removing the organs from these victims and whether or not he disposed them in his trash or the community trash but it was like kind of his way of cleaning up in between so like things that he thought might leave like a smell like organs he would clean them Get out rid of that exactly first. okay so which is just i can't even imagine right. finding like intestines in the apartment garbage outside but you know so at this apartment at Melrose, his final victim um, would be 23-year-old by the name of Malcolm Barlow, who Nielsen discovered outside. And this is this is such a sad and bizarre one because he almost got away. And this is just one of those weird, weird, weird circumstances where um, Malcolm had epilepsy. So Nielsen was leaving one day and he found this young boy slumped outside of his apartment and he kind of was like hey are you okay and this kid was like yeah the the pills that they have me on for this epilepsy they make my legs really weak so it's really hard for me to walk so sometimes i just kind of like have to lay down and sleep for a little bit and pass out and it wasn't really mentioned if he was like a homeless youth or not but probably because you know you would think if you know these meds make you weak you'd try to take them at home or something you know so so anyway so he was like so Nielsen, this was one of those weird opportunities where Nielsen was like, maybe not opportunities, but a weird instance where he was like actually showing some humanity. And okay. he's like, you don't look so good. You should probably like go to the hospital. And this kid was like, no, I'm okay. And so Nielsen actually ended up calling him an ambulance. And so he actually went in the ambulance to the hospital. And then Nielsen just went on with his day. Wow. And then the next day when he was out of the hospital – Malcolm Barlow came back to say thank you and then that's when he Nielsen invited him in for a drink and then that's when like so of course you would have no idea yeah but you come back to say thank you to do the right thing to say thank you wow and then you end up yeah becoming a victim yep wow 
Okay, so we're looking at like five to eight victims in the first apartment. Yeah, so there's he did like all of them there pretty okay. much. So I think he had like three or four at the last one. That makes sense yeah. because obviously when he moved into the second apartment, yep. um, his only way of disposing them was the exactly the plumbing. Okay, all yeah. right, continue. Yeah. So he was actually asked to vacate before he moved from Melrose. This is just like a little detail thing. that He was actually asked to leave because the super was doing like not renovations, kinda. kind of renovations, like fixing up some stuff. Um, and of course he's like, oh, like, yeah. you know, I can't leave this place. There's some shit here. So he was actually offered like, it said a thousand pounds. I don't know how much that would be in like us dollars at that time and now i'm not sure but it's like a thousand pounds i think they're pretty close thousand pounds yeah. to vacate so probably like to use for a hotel while he was trying to do this or whatever but he was vacating the next night so he he knew that he was gonna have to leave the next day for a little bit so he spent that entire night cleaning disposing fire wow. the whole thing that he's been doing so that was just like a little thing that it was like he's had a couple close calls and yeah. that was another yeah, one yeah that could be another yeah. one where if he had multiple maybe one more body under the floorboards than he had that yeah. he could have been caught because he couldn't get rid of it soon yep. enough, you know? Wow. Yeah. Jeez. So after after that, he shortly moved into the one that he was caught at, so Cranley Gardens. Okay, yeah. So the first few months after he moved there, he's not used to the setup. He's at the top floor. There's no garden. And this apartment didn't have the same kind of storage space. There was no floorboard storage. There was nothing. So for the first few months there, there was no activity. I mean, he was just had people over which they said that he had like a normal amount of guests over okay. but he's also a loner so i don't know if he had like mail company over and was kind of i kind of in this weird space where i think he was like testing it out like if i was to do something how would i do it but then he was like it wouldn't work so he let them go i don't know because he wasn't very social but it said he had company coming over but hmm. he would let them leave so i don't sure maybe he just made a bunch of friends at this job out of nowhere i don't freaking know but anyway so, um, after he moved there and he was like, this place isn't going to work for all this stuff, then he had another boy come over. And then I think this is when they kind of started feeling it out. So, this 19-year-old boy's name was Paul Nobbs, but he escaped. So, this is another one that he just left. There was no charges pressed. There was no any there's no cops called over it's just another probably young boy who was embarrassed that he went to this guy's house and didn't want to tell anybody so after he was like okay i didn't get in trouble for that one so now it's march 1982 and nielsen meets a 23 year old named john howlett of course at a pub again the same ruse of continuing drinking and promising of more alcohol and howlett eventually became tired and wandered into nielsen's bedroom to pass out Nielsen said he sat on the edge of the bed and drank a little more. And in case you guys didn't know, his drink of choice was rum and coke. So he's hmm. drinking on the edge of the bed, staring at this passed out Howlett, John Howlett, and decides, I'm going to kill him. Just, that's just how it works. He's okay. like, he's just going to die. He's gonna... So from the research, this was actually a pretty bad struggle, I guess. So he wasn't drunk enough to not struggle back. So he actually ended up putting up a really good fight and he actually ended up strangling Dennis Nielsen back. So they're strangling each other at the oh, same okay. time. Exactly. So finally, Kinky. so <laughs> after he's finally available or available, he's finally able to overpower him. 
So after he strangles him, he strangled for a really long time just to make sure he's dead. So Dennis was finally able yes, to overpower exactly. him. Yes, okay. exactly. So he attempted to strangle him like like to the end so many times but he kept coming back to life technically like with these little baby shallow breaths and so he was like okay this isn't working so this is when he does his old ploy i'm gonna drown him so that's what he does and then he ends up keeping him in his room for a while so then his next victim so this is kind of a big one carl stodder he was 21 years old when he met Nielsen at a pub. Stoddard had been drinking alone. He had just had a bad breakup, and Nielsen invited him back to his flat for more alcohol. So Carl actually was gay. So we find that out later, that he had just broken up with his boyfriend after this, and he was feeling probably down and out, vulnerable. And in my notes, it it tells me this is a very important victim because he actually ends up testifying later because we find out that Carl actually survives. So when Stoddard began to grow tired after drinking, Nielsen told him there was a sleeping bag he could use. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so this, this is, is the one. To... Okay. So quick. this is where we kind of see the smart, sneaky mind of Nielsen really working. Yeah, where... almost the genius of him. Yes, the, the... attempted genius. It kind of reminds me of like a Dexter. Yeah. For people who d- haven't watched Dexter, he's somebody who is... Uh, very quick on his feet when he's in a stressful situation yeah, right with his words and his mind exactly so, okay i'll let yep. you go ahead no, no no yeah so he kind of sets up the evening for this plan so when he's like oh you're getting tired yeah i have a sleeping bag you can use but the zipper is kind of loose so you'll have to watch out because you can get kind of tangled up in it so he's like okay so they go to bed everything's normal and then not soon after drifting off, Stoddard wakes up to him being strangled by Nielsen. And he remembers Nielsen loudly whispering in his ear, stay still. And Stoddard then thought that Nielsen was trying to help him escape the zipper. Because once again, this has now been planted in his mind. Yeah. The zipper Sleeping was brought up. It must be the zipper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he remembers passing out again. And then Stoddard briefly comes to, and he remembers hearing the sound of running water before his head is submerged in the water. So this is where we find, again, the strangling and the drowning thing. So Nielsen then thought he had killed Stoddard, but his dog Bleep, the collie we talked about that he still had, kept licking Stoddard's face. And that's when he realized that Stoddard was still alive. So in some, I don't know if this is some weird act of kindness or humanity, but he realized, you know what, he's alive. I'm going to try to help him out. I thought he was dead. Yeah. So he puts blankets around him, starts rubbing his limbs to try to warm him up, get his heartbeat going back up again. And he lets him rest there for days. He takes care of him. He nurses him back to health. Acts like. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, when Stodder kind of comes to and is like able to even have a conversation and even know what's going on, he questions dennis about this he's like what the hell happened to me he goes you were choking on the zipper i told you remember you and so he's like okay but what was there was like something about water and he's like yeah you were in shock after the zipper so i had to put you in the bathtub to wake you up get you and so yeah exactly so this is after days of letting him rest there giving him food and nielsen just drives him to the train station yeah which just goes on his merry way if you imagine being what was a uh, Colin? Carl. Carl. Mm-hmm. If you're Carl, 
and that's happening to you and obviously you know initially you're thinking this guy's trying to kill yeah. me and then he gives you a somewhat reasonable explanation for what yeah. was happening right. and then and he's lets taking you care of you and, and go and, like yeah. why would you not think okay this guy's being honest obviously yeah. and especially if he's not feeling like he was um I guess molested in a way. Like yeah. If you're, if all the right. only thing wrong with you that is that you were basically choked out, you know. Yeah. Then, why wouldn't you think, okay, this guy is actually trying to exactly. help me out? Exactly, and he's brought up later, so you'll see about that. Yep, you'll see exactly what he's talking about when he's confused. Oh, exactly wow. like that, okay, Carl. Gotcha, yeah, because okay. he's brought up again. So, like I said, he escaped. Quote unquote escaped. He dropped him off at the train station. He was on his merry way. And he was obviously traumatized from this whole thing, but kind of went on with his life. And then after that, his next victim, he meets 27-year-old Graham Allen in June of 1982 and got him back to his flat with the promise of food. And this is the omelet one. So he made Graham an omelet, and then he murdered him. Okay, omelet Casual, boy. yeah, yeah omelet yeah. boy. So this is one where Nielsen admitted when I was making him the omelet, I knew I was going to kill this kid. Yeah, so this was one of the ones. So after he killed him, he kept him in his bathtub for three days before he dismembered him in the kitchen. And then this is another example. He called into work and used that whole day yeah. to clean up and get rid of him. So this was his final victim that we know of, at least, was Stephen Sinclair, who was 20 years old when he met Nielsen and followed him back to his flat. Stephen passed out due to drugs and alcohol, where Nielsen strangled him with a necktie. After Stephen was passed out, Nielsen took off his clothes and found bandages wrapped around his wrist, indicating that Stephen had recently tried to take his own life. There was very deep gashes in his wrist. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, of course, drugs and alcohol. I mean, this kid obviously didn't have a great life. And so, after bathing the body, bathing with the body too, Nielsen covered Stephen's body in talc powder. And from what I can gather, it's kind of the same thing as baby powder. Mm-hmm. So it gives you this white cast on your body. And this was his way of almost speeding up the look of decomp because he wanted him to look dead. And so he covered his own body in this talc baby powder combo. And then also Stephen's body in it too. He then arranged three mirrors around Stephen's body and his own body so he could watch himself with Stephen's dead body. Okay. So this is kind of going back to the whole he finds the dead male body beautiful. Right. So, and that's his quote. He finds it very beautiful and attractive. And in the show, I guess we could just talk about it. It's called Dez. And it's on Prime Amazon Prime Video. Prime, yeah. yeah. Um, they did a fantastic job on that. And after doing research and watching the show, it's all like very word for word, the, fact for fact. Yep. Yeah. So it's not like they kind of went off on their own and tried to make it more extravagant or anything or add these um, details that didn't need Which to be there. Is very um, when we talk about the the author's name one more time. Brian Masters. Okay. So from some of the interviews I've watched of him he was very much the same way so he had never written a book on this kind of stuff yes but he knew somebody was going to write a book and it's almost like he didn't want that person to sensationalize right and just try to get rich off of 
uh, you know, horrific crimes yep. that happened. He wanted to know, and, and in the show they kind of um, used the word uh, not understand. Um, comprehend. Comprehend, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so he wanted to comprehend what was going on in the mind of Dennis Nielsen and why right. somebody would be driven to this point or what got him yeah. to here. It's kind of that, again, that nurture versus nature. Right. He uh, said he wrote the book almost as a, as a warning yes. to people. Yeah, this is so what he, happens if you have this upbringing and things happen to you. Not so much what he did, but who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and I think like, to your point, um, his book, that book and the show Des on Amazon Prime is also it very much is just to tell the story of yeah also des is his nickname just so you know d-e-s yeah that's what he goes by his friends call him that and that was what he asked to be called by by the investigators and brian masters when they were meeting up and stuff so it's not just some random word that was his nickname (laughs) yeah obviously we're calling him nielsen and stuff during this whole time but yeah so like i said something about the dead male body fascinated nielsen um and something that was brought up when he was getting investigated and when they were trying to get this information for his book was he was asked by brian masters what it was about the dead male body and you know once again he said he just found it beautiful and they said when did this start and he said that sometimes with past partners they would put this powder on themselves and then Brian said, okay, then what would you do after you, like, would put the powder on? He goes, we would just look at each other, like, in the mirror and at each other. Mm. So I'm not really sure what mm. we want to do with that, but obviously, I mean, this goes back so far. So now it's kind of the combo of an actual dead person, and, I mean, this has got, this is, like, the best scenario for yeah. him. He has something that's not going to leave him now. And it's an actual dead person, and it's a dead male body, which he finds the yeah. most, yeah, And he can appealing. make it look the exactly. way that he remembers looking with yep. his former partner. Wow. Yep. So after he slept with Stephen's dead body, um, he then began the drunk process of dismembering the body and storing the body parts in plastic bags. As he had done at the Melrose apartment, Nielsen then... This is a part where it gets a little bit icky, but... Something that he did at the Melrose apartment that I was kind of saving till now is he would boil the heads of his victims, not all of them, but after he was done dismembering them, he actually had a huge pot on his stove that he used specifically for boiling the heads. And this was what he said it was for, was to separate the flesh from the skull and actually, a lot of stuff actually got evaporated in the boiling process. So at the end, there wasn't too much to clean up. There was some of the flesh part was left over, but then the skulls were also soft, and then he yeah. could also dispose of them a little bit easier. easier. Yeah. This pot was also brought to trial and passed around the jury. Yeah. The actual pot. Yeah, and I remember that the detectives. They said there. You can look at photos. Uh, of the original, uh, I guess, Melrose apartment yeah. before. Which I'll definitely be posting because yeah. I found a bunch. And you can see, and I actually haven't seen the photos. I, for some reason, didn't choose to look them up. But he said you can see that, you know, the, the grease stains yeah. on the edge of the pot yep. until you realize what those grease stains exactly. are. Exactly. Yep. You know, knowing now what yeah. those grease stains are. And who knows? Maybe he used it, it could, for like obviously. spaghetti in between too. Yeah. He seems fucked up. But he knowing seems like what do the that. pots were exactly. used for. Yeah, and when he would have these fires in the back too, just kind of talking about like skulls and stuff, he would 
dig through the fires each time afterwards to make sure there was nothing through and then he would smash all the skulls like into powder so he did the same thing after this boiling process um and actually when they found some of the dismembered body parts because there were still body parts in his apartment when he was caught they would find the skulls in there from his last three or four victims and the pathologist was able to show that the skulls had a lot of moisture in them and that they were softer and um like parts of them had been heated and so that's where they asked him why are the skulls weird yeah and they're like kind of dismorphed from the heat and then that's when he's like oh it's because i i boiled them yeah Yeah. duh (laughs) very matter of fact like everything else was yeah exactly so makes me think of a nightmare before christmas yeah something like that yeah so the flushing of these last few victims is what actually got him caught so um i don't know if you remember in the very beginning when i was talking about the tenants were throwing a fit because their pipes were blocked right and they decided to all get together and write a letter to the super and we actually find out later in this weird kind of turn of events that it was actually nielsen that wrote the letter on behalf of everyone yeah, super weird because nobody. If, Almost like if you, you never, listen, you never suspect the guy that. Exactly. It out. So yeah. that's kind of what was in my notes too. Is like, why did he do this? He was trying not to stand out too much. Like, you would look at the person who's like, I don't want to be involved, and you know, like, like the people that are like, I don't want you to search my house. Well, now I'm curious, what's in your yeah, house? Exactly. So if you're kind of like, yeah, I'm totally with yeah, you guys. Let, let me write in. the letter. But everyone yeah. that was interviewed in that complex was like, yeah, we don't really know him that well. Like, it's really Which, weird. He's kind of weird. Calling back to a few episodes ago, Stephen McDaniel, he yeah. didn't want the police into his apartment. And yeah. that made him suspect them, him even Also, more. they just looked at him and were like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the one that actually Wrote said, the yeah, letter. Let's, let's get these yeah. people. But I guess he maybe he's not. Uh, it makes you wonder. I wonder if he's just hoping... Um, hey, maybe these people, you know, the plumbers can just clear this shit out yep. so then I can continue exactly. doing what I'm trying to do. I exactly. Need a, I need more space for yeah. it again. So now we kind of find ourselves back at the beginning, which is technically the end, where he's caught. And this is kind of where I won't get too far into it because it's kind of like the boring part. But as far as, like, his arrest and confessions yeah. and, you know, that was – we kind of went through the victims and is like – mo and everything but um after he was arrested um 30 hours over 30 hours of interviewing came and i mean just in like two days he was just in there nonstop, and they kept him up and um when asked why he had no good answer he just said that he was hoping the police could tell him why he did this um and he was adamant that none of these murders were planned and they had all been spur of the moment um nielsen got into more detail about what he did with the bodies after they were dead he didn't really have a problem talking about it but he could never give anybody answers why which you can imagine was like the main question like why in god's name did you do any of this well one of the quotes i remember the author saying when he first reached out to dennis nielsen when he was in jail i guess or he i guess he wrote to him and he didn't realize that when you're uh uh I guess a convict up for possible murder that you're not supposed to be able to contact those um, inmates. Hmm. Like it's, but he said, yeah, it was kind of just blind stupidity that I tried to reach out to him. And one of the first things Nielsen wrote back to him was my, the burden of my life or something, the burden of me is oh, now I, onto I you. I pass it on to you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, 
yeah, Dennis Nielsen is not sure why he did these things, yep. and he's he's passing it on to someone else to figure out why. Right. And Interesting. Something else that is so apparent that comes through is in this whole the whole Dez series. It's it's only three episodes on yeah. Prime Video, and I think it's like eight bucks I paid for it, which I did not. I should have looked how many episodes it was, but either way, I needed to watch it for this anyway. So, um, but they're about an hour long each. And from what I could tell, it was so spot on from the actual research. So I can't imagine this part being not spot on, but they really touch, especially on the last episode after he's caught and he kind of talks about his victims and they kind of touch on the background of them, kind of like we did here in this order, that the very last episode is about his trial and they do a really good job of it because this is the most boring part of any true crime yep. thing is the trial and, and there's so many years of appeals and resentencing and oh my gosh plot twist I found another piece of evidence or um, now they didn't leave this in here so now I have to do the trial all over again or it's a mistrial whatever it's the worst part of the whole thing it's I could never be in law it's yeah. just so freaking boring and it's terrible but Long they really tedious. touch on his mental instability so while he does come off extremely smart he is very back and forth on so much and they really they really show a lot of these visits that brian masters the author when he meets with him to get information about this book it is you can tell he's so uncomfortable and unsure about what's going on because you think you're going in and this guy's you can tell nielsen is smart but he's also struggling with something and it's some psychiatrists that were called in in the trial there was psychologists and psychiatrists from both sides that were there to argue if he was mentally sane or not when he did all this they really kind of can't come to a conclusion i don't know if they're if they're getting different versions of him one said he's totally quote-unquote normal so that obviously helps in the prosecution that he was of right mind when he did this. And then there's people that are like, no, he's schizoid and he's bipolar and yeah. he has abandonment issues. So we don't really know what we're getting. But when they show him visiting with the author, he's all over the place. Every every time he meets yeah. with him, he's angry or he's confused or he's mad at him that he didn't write a certain section the way he wanted him to. Or he's mad that his dog hasn't been checked in on or he's mad that he didn't get cigarettes or he's mad that he has to wear jailhouse clothes but he hasn't been convicted yet so he's he fired and rehired his same attorney like seven times and then finally when they went into court after you would think after he's confessed to all this and he has details and he knows some names yep and he's been like yep i totally did this his he went in there with a plea of guilty because how could you not? There's all this stuff pointing yeah. against you. And then last minute, he fires his attorney, decides to represent himself. Then he hires a new attorney, a solicitor as they call it over there, a new attorney that tells him to plead not guilty. And this is where the whole of sane mind comes in. Or what do you call it? Of sane mind. It's um. Anyway, it's called something else too, but basically it's an insanity plea. It's the equivalent right. okay. over there. It's yeah, basically yeah. the same freaking thing. Where were you in your right mind when you did this or not kind of thing. So now the prosecution has this huge burden of going through all of the evidence, all of these um, documents that were sent to his author that he's working with. They, they get to go through all of that and they try to decide okay. in the details 
was he guilt was he actually thinking through right you know so that was the whole thing so basically that's what they had to do until the very end and they had to call witnesses and they basically had to beg the carl stodder guy if you remember he's the one with with the zip tie from the sleeping bag they had ended up finding him years later and he thought that this was all a dream so he was in therapy for what he thought was a dream then they then they approach him and they were like we actually think you were almost a victim of this dennis nielsen guy and he's like no way he's like i would have i would have remembered this so they basically had to prove to him first hey this really happened this really happened then they had to basically beg him to get on the stand because he was so traumatized yeah and then when he was in there then the defense was like well you know what you were probably drinking a lot so you're probably lying that is one of the things that i remember is that you're you are talking early 80s where uh being gay uh, we talked about earlier yeah, openly gay finally legal not legal to marry just legal to be openly gay yeah that even if you had evidence of victims if they were gay it was almost like oh we're not really worried about that yeah thing. almost like we're just gonna right. brush it to the side like, or you okay, asked whatever for you it say. because you went home with a guy that you don't know exactly i mean and chicks so have to could... deal with that stuff on the stand too but this is it's the same thing yeah so they it it's almost like you brought this upon yourself you went home with a stranger yeah. then you started wow. drinking with the stranger also you're gay so we already and so hate even you for he, that. he's here and this guy has already basically admitted to killing 12 people yeah. and this yeah this guy's trying to testify saying exactly. i was almost victim 13 yeah. or 16 or 17 yeah i mean if you could see the show this kid is like so traumatized he's also done interviews tell him yeah maybe it was your fault they just like bit. ripped him apart and they yeah i feel so bad because they had to beg him to like please help us put this guy away and he was like i really don't want to but i guess i will and then once he's up there he's just like screamed at by this defense attorney and it was said that they had to take so many breaks for him because he was like hyperventilating up there being in the same room as nielsen finally at the very end um when it came down to the jury they couldn't agree on the first day and then the judge asked, do you think you'll come to a conclusion today? And they were like, probably not. So then they said the next day, I'm going to take like whoever has the most votes. We're just going to go with that. So that's when they found him guilty on like every charge of murder wow. and attempted murder too. So they actually got those charges too. Wow. And it was said that Nielsen was kind of like, good job, guys. You got me kind of thing. Like he wasn't Congrats, even really that yeah. mad about it. So he's like, yeah. you can't tell me why I did it. Yep. And he said that he actually enjoyed the company of the detective and the author. And he said, you know what, guys, feel free to come by and visit me anytime. Yeah. And also, I don't I don't know how if I didn't see this in the research. But once again, this is in, in that show and they were pretty spot on with everything. But something that came up was that we have so many people that aren't identified. And it was it was said that about after three to five of these victims they were actually this task force was actually told to shut down because there was so much money being used in resources to find the people that they were that the people above were like you know what we basically have enough to charge him so let's just be done because this is a lot of money so detective peter j like threw a fit and he's like we have so many families that don't have answers yet like there's so many people that are coming to him on the side that are like my husband he never came back from the store one day or or whatever in all these people who were like yeah my dad said that he was going into town and he never came back so he has all these people that are coming to him with family members 
that might that might fit this profile that are like maybe he is maybe he's not but he's being told he can't do anything about it so there was actually one or two victims that were identified after this case was closed that could not actually ever be linked to him because it was after it was closed if that makes sense so they were actually they did like some side work and were able to identify these two people but weren't ever able to legally pin them to nielsen because it was already closed yeah Yeah. you can't you know yeah and there's still people that haven't been to this day that haven't been linked to him that well yeah pretty sure i mean there's bones and flesh that mm -hmm. we don't have any names for still yeah yeah that's why i mean that kind of brings it probably will never know no but it does bring it all around um i guess to wrap this episode up as you guys will tell this has been a longer or yeah. i think the longest episode we've done so far for sure but the reason being is because there are so many victims yeah that to think one there's more victims that we don't know of that we know that we know of that we don't know their names right and then probably more victims that we don't know yeah. of that we didn't know and their backstories because one of them was 14 one of them was 16 i'm not saying they mean any less or more than the people that were older but they're children exactly and yeah. who knows it's... some of these unidentified ones are also children no and and that is one of the things we want to do on this podcast is um obviously bring you guys the stories of yeah. uh people like dennis nielsen Stephen mcdaniel right. but also uh moving forward we we also want to bring you bring the victims to light too yeah because i would really a lot like of the to times... do some ones that really are not like super out there right yeah maybe some younger people too maybe just some like people of color that don't get a lot of coverage mm-hmm. i mean like there's just so many people that don't have as much coverage as dennis nielsen granted this one is like super big this one's just very interesting yeah. and we're just getting started i've you know? exactly exactly there's so many and honestly if anybody wants to reach out i don't know who's out there anyone and everyone if there's something if there's a case that you know of please that yeah, hasn't got like us. anything yeah uh, totally. and, you know we this is uh i think the second episode this week that we've uploaded yeah. and we this is a, a trend that we want to continue yeah and so and i would love to do even smaller cases in between these big ones yes so yeah and it i mean it's better than nobody covering it so even if it's something something small anything, anything. yeah even yeah, if it doesn't no, even have that much information we've got a lot of um ideas yeah. turning and churning and burning and yeah um a lot of it has to do with bringing to light uh the victims yeah. of these cases because that is the people that are truly yeah. And obviously, we are all here, and we we understand. We um, we've watched the TV shows and the movies and the series yeah. regarding these, I guess, serial killers or murderers. And um, you really don't get to hear a lot about the people that actually suffer because of it. Well, I know that was a long one, but there was a lot of information in this one. Worth it too. Yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Again, uh, I think I think this video is actually gonna turn out okay. Okay. Then we're gonna make it work. Yeah. So you guys can actually see us. If you guys are watching the Kinda YouTube video, this dog out has been sleeping here on He's the bed behind us. He's a sleepaholic. So. He's our long. mascot, Sir Tito. His <laughs> name's Tito, but we call him Sir Tito. Literally, this entire episode yep. he's been sleeping here. But he also did that all day today, all last night. He just loves sleeping for just such constantly. a small dog. He needs so much rest. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. all right yeah. well thank you thank you for uh, yeah. uh bringing to light 
all of that information. Yeah, that was I know it was a lot, but I'm actually super stoked for yours next. So you're going to do the next Ooh, one and I'm going to be the it. cool sidekick, sidekick. Ooh. in bewilderment about all the facts you bring. And in. if I can uh, point out this fact that I realize like half an hour ago your right. headphones are on backwards what? no there, there's no don't worry there's no uh i guess this still works though because yeah. i can hear it so still whatever. works we're we're in stereo but you we're would not notice like, that you're ocd well i mean they've got an l and an r for a reason <laughs> <laughs> okay well this is a good time to end, oh gosh so. all right well uh we're my no name so is riley that is mm-hmm. do you want to say your name yeah christian christian it's 2022 i have all the, the rights you cup. have so that's right yep this has been True Crime Banter. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. If you did, do, uh, again, pod, Spotify does allow rating. Yeah. I actually, uh, maybe we'll show it on a story on our Instagram yeah. at True Crime Banter. Uh, I'll show you guys how to rate podcasts. It's yep. fairly easy. And if you're on YouTube, obviously, thank you for watching. Yeah, and hit the like comments, button if you liked it. Only if it's nice. Or And then True Crime Banter on Instagram, all the things, right? Stitcher, all, all the, the things. Spotify, Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I post some pretty cool stuff yeah, on there. So. Yeah, she's been popping on there I'm lately. trying. Cool. I'm really trying. It's cool. Way better than I could ever do. <laughs> Way better. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. Again, my name is Riley. And I'm Christian. And we will talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. Take care.